This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time, so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of IGN GameScoop. I'm your temporary host, Tina Amini, and joining me this week with hopefully zero technical difficulties are Samuel Claiborne. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Always my technical difficulties. Pressure's on you. (laughs) Rebecca Valentine. Hi, Tina. (laughs) Hi, Reb. And Matt Kim returning. Hello. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. And it's a real news scoop with our news team on deck this week. Uh, We'll be touching, yeah, we'll be touching on at least one news item from Nintendo. But first, Deathloop has officially hit shelves, if you will allow me to use that brick and mortar term, if we're still doing that. Um, And reviews are particularly glowing, including our own. I know a few of us are playing. uh, So I'd love to hear what does everybody think so far? Matt, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm I'm having a great time. I'm still, I think, relatively early in. It's unclear because of the whole time loop structure of it that I actually don't really know how far into the game I am. Uh, but I'm having a great time. I've I've always been a fan of arcane games, but I've never really been a fan of immersive sims. But Deathloop feels like a like a real like good balance between immersive sim and like an actual shooter. And so I'm, I think it's I think it's really fun. Sam, you've been playing too. Yeah, and I uh, really like stealthy games. I really like sneaking around. And I got to say, I've very rarely gotten through an instance of this game without screwing that all up. I keep on doing like the thing where like, I accidentally shoot the wrong gun or like, you know, I just don't notice somebody. And I actually really like that. I like the level of difficulty versus like I'm not quite have my head wrapped around the stealth thing. But man, everything about this game. I love the setting. I love it how it's like, I love how it's about like a singular place that you explore different parts of like an old, like mist game or something. I think that's really cool. I really like the style. There's like really cool, like 
you know, mod mid-century architecture and like cool swinging pads and stuff in it. So like, that's all really, uh, uh, you know, appealing to me. And then just the fact that it's like a dishonored game with a completely new style and, and and some twists is like, you know, I couldn't be more excited about a game right now. I, I really want to be playing it. Yeah. And that's sort of been the general consensus is like, everybody just wants to quit what they're doing and go right back to playing Deathloop. And Matt, I think you like really touched on it. You know, I'm not really sure how far I'm in. I think there's technically two chapters that are tutorials. It doesn't quite feel like a tutorial. It just feels like right? a slow pace kind of burning in, mm-hmm. but the time loop narrative, it just fits with that. So perfectly just the concept that you are looping. And so you really aren't sure what your progress is, I guess, unless you take it from a gameplay standpoint, because there's slabs and all sorts of abilities that come your way eventually. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, but I, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's got like roguelite elements and, and little, little soulsy elements. It's a real like neat hybrid uh, of a game. Yeah, a lot of different kind of um, inspirations, clearly, including from their own titles. Um, you know, for, for myself personally, I'm not typically a huge fan of games that demand perfection from you, which it's it's not necessarily that this game does, um, because it, it's a little bit more lenient than maybe some other time loopy games, certainly like something like Returnal, where you're playing for hours rather than maybe 30 minute, 45 minute increments at a time. Um, but it just works so well because, you know, like you were saying before, it's Matt, like it's so attached to that time loop narrative and you actually end up gaining something from every failed run, no matter what, even if it's just mm-hmm. like additional dialogue options between Juliana and Colt um, mm-hmm. as, as you restart things. And then, of course, eventually you you gain the ability to, you know, not lose all of your gear. And that makes a world of a difference. Mm-hmm. There's a thing that I know a lot of people like about Hades, which is, you know, the, the idea that it's not just a, a roguelike in the sense that you, like, you're replaying and getting better and learning, but it expands the story each time. And that's what you just touched on. Like every time you die and restart, you're going to get like a little hint of something new. And like, that's like, that takes a really keen, uh, like interesting planning ahead amount of programming to, to, to make that happen. I really like that. And then of course, like looping and death, like in any, any roguelike like that's like playing with the idea of video game death as like a concept that's you that you 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 kind of build a game like you kind of like build twists around that and this game is like really built around like what does death in video game actually mean well it's it's they kind of like like play on that in a lot of interesting ways i'm just trying not to give stuff away right now so i'm sorry i think but i really like that part about it i know we're like really big into like the mechanics and it's like a fun mechanic game and whatever but like I love Juliana and Colt. Like, I think they're some of the most fun, like, video game protagonists I've met in, like, a couple years. Like, they're great. The way they talk to one another, the way they talk to themselves. Like, I just want to keep hearing them. Uh, you know, I'd watch a show around them or, or something like that. Like, I, I think they're great. Yeah, agreed. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, you're rivals or, I suppose, enemies. Um, but there's a clear, like, history there, too. And, and that kind of comes out in each of the dialogue moments and the, the like, shared... Uh, kind of hatred but also love and affection for one another Mm -hmm. there's something like really human and and they do a great job playing through the voices too um so it's just been really enjoyable to see like how far is that part of the relationship gonna go what do you think of the controller speaking like at first i was like oh this is novel and then like i thought it'd be annoying but now i don't even notice it 
Like, it's just like something that's happening. Oh, okay. Well, I love it for two reasons. One, because I don't have to sit and stare at like, like if, for instance, if I, cause it'll come through when you're talking to Juliana or it'll come through mm-hmm. if you're playing like, um, little rec- audio recordings that are around the world. And yeah, I, I, love, I that. love that, like you can move away, like Bioshock introduced this where you could walk away and the yes. audio like actually changed to indicate like you're walking away from it, but you can actually still hear it while you're exploring the world. So I love it from just a, you know, a, a nice like life life uh, hack kind of a thing. Um, yep. But I think it, it makes sense too, because it comes in in that kind of like radio muffled yeah. audio tone and, and it it's feels, perfect. yeah, it feels realistic. It feels like she's like actually on the phone with you. So it works out with mm. the controller. Yep. You all are selling me on this so hard. <laughs> I'm so glad it's, it's really wonderful, especially um, I don't know, Matt and Sam, if you guys are playing like really stealthily because I love stealth games. And so, yeah, like there's, there are a couple moments where, especially if I get frustrated on a run, I'll just go guns blazing. Cause I'm like, whatever, like, let me just, you know, mm-hmm. have fun in this moment. Cause I know I'm going to reset the loop or I'm going to die. I'm close to dying or something like that. And it's exactly, a, it's yeah. a garbage run. It's a throwaway run anyway. But other than that, I'm playing like obsessively stealthily. And I think like the, the consequences of the game really amplifies that stealth ambiance because you're just so nervous that you have to make every single right move. You have to be really, you have to make really smart use of cover and leaning. Mm-hmm. Like even if you, cause in some stealth games I can peep out without doing like a lean or a peek through or something. And it's totally fine. And no one sees me, but not in death loop. Like you absolutely have to use those mechanics to, to get yep. it right. And sometimes they still spot you when you're peeking out. Also, mm-hmm. like it, I, I, the music plays in a really funny way in it, where it's like as soon as the music starts playing, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, my stealth's gone right. because and it stays. You know, it's like you've been spotted. Like it's so quiet until then, and then after you've been spotted, the music might pump down to like a really reasonable volume, and and then like finally it's gone again. But like you can't really just like hide out. Like it doesn't really work out so well to that they'll search for you for a long time, and so it's not like that kind of like video game stealth where you can just like. Be like, okay, I'm just going to get behind this box for 20 minutes and it'll be fine. He's just like, it doesn't really play that way. And the other thing is to say, I, I love stealth in the game, but I like playing like a cat where I like in, in especially <laughs> arcade games, I like being on top of everything. I want to be yep. high up. And this game like really has cool verticality or you can go really down below sometimes. But I love just like climb, 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 climb. And then I do a bunch of spotting and then I do sneaking after that. It's like, what a great, I mean, it's a loop, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. mean that to be a pun, but I really like that about it. Yeah, I like I very it's so funny that you say like a cat because I also was thinking of that way of myself, but for a totally different reason, because I would be first off. Yes, you have to go high, even though sometimes there are people hiding on rooftops, too. So I tend to, you know, go on a high level and I'm sneaking everyone out. Uh, and then I'll hear noise and then get really startled and turn around and stare. Like I'll freeze because if you move around too much, they might see you. And then mm. when things feel all good, I'll like, right. I'll like crawl back out <laughs> and then I'll get startled again and then just like stare and freeze frame in a moment. So definitely cat like, but for totally other <laughs> behavioral tick, <laughs> Matt, have you been playing like super stealthily too? No, I'm, I'm a I'm a sun's out guns out kind of guy. Uh, nice. <laughs> I I mean it's it's good to start out stealthy and it's hard, I think it's fun to try and get as far as you can as stealthy as possible but like mm-hmm. once my cover's blown at at that point I'm just shooting everyone that I see and it works out pretty well. Like I said this mm-hmm. is like way more of a, a like it feels good shooting people in this game more than like past arcane games especially compared to like Dishonored or Prey which 
you know, gave you a bunch of like superpowers and you're kind of supposed to use mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Deathloop uh, just has a ton of weapons. And again, if you find rare ones that you that you do that thing where you can keep for the next run, like I love I have favorite weapons already that I just like save around. I got one that shoots like a an AOE poison ammo, which I just oh. love to clear out areas with. It's awesome. Whoa. Yeah. I I like too how there's like, well, I don't know if this continues because I'm not very far in the game, but like I played a, a lot of the, I guess, tutorial levels and I like how there's an exit run. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's when I'm just like, now I'll just shoot everybody on my way out of here or I'll just run as mm-hmm. fast as I can. I think that's like a really cool thing where I spend all this time sneaking to a spot and then I can be like, well, it doesn't matter because now when I leave this area, like everything's going to reset anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it, it's not going to have any bearing on me. So like I can just, that's where I, I mix in my shoot times. Yeah, the the one creation that I have with the game so far is something you touched on too, Sam. You have a hackamajig that, which it's literally the name of the item, um, a hackamajig to to hack uh, various things to to offset, you know, some sounds to draw um, enemy attention to that sort of thing. You can take over turrets and whatnot. Um, but on occasion, if I hit L two to zoom in to mark mm-hmm. my enemies something slips in the button mm-hmm. presses and then suddenly I have a grenade out or suddenly, oh, yeah. or like suddenly I'm dual wielding weapons. <clears throat> and when I'm trying to hack a midjig something, I'm apparently shooting it instead. And then there goes my run. So I've had a few yeah. frustrating, like accidental losses that way. And because of the loop system and because of the safe system, AKA there isn't uh, an available <laughs> manual one, only an automatic one that's literally rooted into the gameplay. Um, it, it makes it a little bit frustrating, but at the same time you do still you get that dialogue that's uh that's what keeps you going yeah i've shot my silent gun i've shot a real gun instead of a silent gun several times and then absolutely i've cooked i'm just sitting there cooking a grenade in my hand i'm like <laughs> yeah what do i do now <laughs> how do i cancel this yeah <laughs> so reb we're, we're selling you on the game uh, have you has it been this conversation that's going to do it uh you know I'm, I'm very much on the precipice and i have been for a while i I have a distant relationship with Arcane games. Uh, I played quite a bit of Prey and liked it very much. I've watched a lot of plays of both Dishonored games and really enjoyed that. And so I've always kind of been, well, this this is very much my thing. I I should jump in somewhere. And I, you know, I watched a lot of the trailers for Deathloop and it looked nice, but it looked like the kind of game where I'd go, this looks good, I should play it, but there's a lot of other things that I would rather play first and I'm probably not going to get to it. But all the reviews our review all of the reviews and then this is well i honestly the you know what the thing that probably pushed me over the edge was what sam said about it being a game about a place and i'm discovering mm-hmm. in the last couple of years that i really love very contained games uh things like yakuza and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know what else east shade and games like that that are just about air places and small mm-hmm. very intricate working Spots. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you you don't yeah. get a map for. I mean, you you technically get a map for Deathloop, but mm-hmm. it's not you know one that you can interact with. You don't even have like here's where you are, or any points of interest. Um, it's it's a literal like old school paper map essentially, uh, but that. digital. Yeah. Um, but the whole point being that because you're going through so many loops, you get really intimately familiar mm-hmm. with the locations, and you start to figure out like your favorite paths from point A to point B, and then it you know it pushes you to avoid certain areas because you don't have the weapons you need yet and you're, you know you're 
too scared, you're too fearful, like early on in the game. And then later you get more weapons, you get slabs, which are your abilities. So I'm sure it'll get a little bit more, you know, super powered, like dishonored uh, yeah. in that vein or pray, pray E in, in that vein too. Um, mm. But, you know, the point being that you can come back to those locations and there's still more for you to explore because you have this renewed confidence mm-hmm. uh, and you can like locate different areas of the map and, and little treasures. And, and even like the time of day makes a huge yep. impact. So if you come in morning, afternoon, night, there's a totally different kind of um, enemy structures and then different tips and tricks that you can find too. It's, it's really in depth. Oh, it's cool. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I won't, yeah, we're, I don't want to yeah, spoil Matt. it, but like there's an area mm-hmm. that's like super safe at one time of day and becomes mm-hmm. like incredibly mm-hmm. dangerous at another time of day. And it's just really funny that you're like, Oh, I was here at this time of day. I'm just going to walk on in and then immediately get, <laughs> you know, redacted yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because of the thing that does not exist uh, earlier on, but does later on. It's crazy. I love that part. Cool. Yeah. And they don't tell you about mm-hmm. that either. So you sort of discover it through a, a trial and error. And, yeah. you know, the, the whole point of the game being that it's OK, kind of like Hades, is it's OK to to die. And that's mm-hmm. part of the progress. There is a little trick where if you feel like you're about to because you get basically two, three lives, I guess. Um, so there's a bit of a trick where if you're on your third life and you feel like things aren't going well, you could just hit that pause button, go to the main menu, and when you relaunch the game, it kicks you right back into it. You can't like choose your loadout or ch- change any of the settings. You have to do that run, but that's a little bit of a, a pro tip for anybody that you know doesn't want to lose all of their items if they haven't managed to get that ability to preserve them. Where does it set you after the pause screen? Um, what do you mean? Where does I mean, it set you? you pause the game and then you go to the title menu, and then it, like, yeah. does it set you in a place that's like safe from enemies, basically? No, no, it's oh yeah, yeah. I guess it's it sets you right in the tunnels again. So you basically it's basically oh, a restart okay. the mission. Yeah, yeah it's basically a, a fake out to restart the mission. Like they don't call it restart the mission. You have to go through main yeah. menu and then you go back into break the loop because um, you can break the loop or you can protect the loop as Juliana. Um, and then yeah, you can go from there. Put that on our cheats page. We are back. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's a great cheat. I'm so That's bad. like a classic. Yeah. It's such like a classic idea mm-hmm. too. It's like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, have uh, Sam and Matt, have you guys been experiencing any performance issues? Because that's been a bit of a complaint more so on the PC side, it appears. I, so I've been playing on PC and I've played for, for hours now and I've not encountered like a single like performance issue. So and it's uh, and it's weird, right? Because I, I have seen that also. And like one of the first things that uh, people asked me about was like, hey, you're playing on PC. Have you run into any, any issues? And I'm like, oh, and I'm feel I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you got lucky. Yeah. I mean, bit, there's, yeah. There's definitely different settings you can play around with too for for an optimal run. Um, Sam, I assume you're playing on PS5. Yeah, I'm playing on PS5, and I had a really bad lockup issue, which I've read. I read some tips about to not do what I did. So I'll, I'll, I'll mention that here, but like basically after, as I was mentioning before, you can do a mission. And then once you get to that into the, the, like you, the mission goal, you can basically go to back to the tunnels and then you start a new mission. Right. But if you can also not go back to the tunnels, you can do exploration because there's like clues everywhere that might lead you to side quests and you can pick up items and like do all this stuff. So like, I was like, Oh, I'll just spend this time exploring this first area as much as possible. Um, because of the save system, when I locked up during that, uh, it's just like the screen, the screen froze and I had mm-hmm. to quit out and quit the game outside of the menu. I lost everything from the tunnels. So I had to do even the like little silly part. Like it was like one of those, like go to your apartment missions. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I had to do that all over again. Of course, I lost everything after that. So I lo- like that was really bad. But the tip there is like for at least that early part of the game for now until there's a patch, like go to the next area. Don't 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 take the option of exploring the area. That you good tip. Good tip. Um, yeah, I've had a couple moments of stuttering. I'm playing on PS5. Uh, it's lagged up occasionally, and then I've I've panic hit the the pause button um, mm. in the hopes that it registers because you know you don't know if someone's going to be crossing your path while you, while you're uh, all lagged up, and then yeah. suddenly they're in your face and you've lost your run. The stakes are too high for that sort of thing. But it sounds like um, Arcane is uh, busy, at least on the PC side, really focused on trying to figure out what the performance issues are and and get a fix for that. So hopefully that comes right away and does and take away from a lot of the the positivity around the game. But outside of Deathloop, Reb, you've been playing something else. What what have you been uh, occupying your time with? Yeah, I just finished reviewing a little game called Toem. It's Mm -hmm. on, I believe, Nintendo Switch PC and playstation maybe i don't remember the third one uh but yeah it is a little photography game it's only a couple hours long very short uh but you play as this this little character who has finally is finally old enough to go out into the world and they are given their mother's old camera that she had Mm -hmm. when she went out and into the world and your goal is to see the mysterious phenomenon known as toem you're not told what that is but you Mm -hmm. you go out to see what toem is and you take pictures as you go and it's very neat. All the worlds, uh, if you're watching the the video right now, they're they're like little dioramas, like these little paper mm-hmm. doll boxes. And you you run around, and in order to get to the next area, you have to do community service with your camera. So people will ask you to take photos of certain things or find things for them or show them things, uh, usually using the camera. There's some that just involve talking to people. Uh, but it's just all these little puzzles that involve rotating the dioramas around and observing being observant zooming in zooming Mm -hmm. out looking at the little things and it is just a really brilliant little game uh it is it is just the epitome of smallness it is it is small and cozy in absolutely every possible way the writing is clever and sweet and soft and cozy uh but also very Mm -hmm. witty and funny and there's lots of goofy little visual jokes and gags uh it's it's the kind of game that is not difficult, but it has exactly the right amount of stuff. So you just, I, I just felt very compelled to 100% it as much as possible and find, you know, all the hidden photos that you can take and all, all the little tasks that they ask you to do even beyond what you have to do just to finish it. Uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's so sweet. I had such a nice time with it. Oh, and the music is very nice too. Really good sound design. You mentioned- That's what I hear. It seems like a very relaxing mm-hmm. game too. Yeah, it chill. It, yeah, it is. It is very chill. It's not. It's not remotely stressful at all. It, it's slow paced, but it, it's it's the kind of game that rewards curiosity more than trying to play in uh, any kind of min maxing fashion whatsoever. Uh, it, it, it wants. It just wants you to look around and listen and think about things uh, mm-hmm. for a little bit longer. Uh, and and having just an inherent curiosity when you walk into it makes it feel very very rewarding. I remember in the uh, the review you did, which I recommend everybody go check out, especially the video review, because there's this great part in it in which you drop out all the music and then you have to listen. And there's like little clues like the cowbell is going off at that time and you're showing like you know the cows there. I thought that was really, really sweet. Um, one thing you mentioned is like really important to me. And like I, I can't wait to play this game. It's, 
it's totally my jam. Uh, but there's a uh, in in photo games, a lot of the times you're dependent on a game to like rate your photo, and that drives me absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm, yeah. Where it's like this person wasn't centered enough, and actually you're supposed to. I was like, but I, the game's never transparent with that. And this you were mentioning, like there's no judging of your photos. Like you either get the photo or you don't. Is that basically how it works? Yeah, and it, it it's very helpful too. So there there are quests mm-hmm. that will tell you I want a photo of X, and when you mm-hmm. find it. For the most part, there, there's a few that are very generic, like take a photo of a tree, in which case I don't think it always does this. But for the most part, it will give you very faint, like little corner borders around oh. th- things that the game considers objects, I guess. Yeah. So when you're centering your photo and figuring out, it, will, the thing will be outlined and that's sort of a clue to you to go, okay, yeah, I've got the thing in the photo. And then you take the shot and it's done. You don't, yeah, there's no scoring. There's no, there are some, mm-hmm. there's no like, there's a little bit of you can, you can zoom in and out and there's a, a couple small alterations that can happen. But for the most part, there's no photo editing. There aren't a whole bunch of complicated tools, but it doesn't doesn't need it. Like that would be so beside the point of what yeah, tone is. Yeah. Um, but it's still very fun to take photos like it gives you it gives you a selfie option pretty early on. You get a tripod <laughs> so you can set it up and then run into your own photos. Uh, you can put yourself in different costumes and stand with characters. And there's a little, there's a little horn you can honk uh, that you get eventually that will make some, some characters have ridiculous reactions. Some of them just do a little surprise or a jump, uh, but you can take really funny little cute photos. And I, I, I started just doing that because it was fun and not because it was like gamified in any way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you mentioned also like there's a, I think there's some, puzzle where you show like you know it's not the answer that you think it is like somebody will ask for something and then you're like i I think you then the example that you're showing is like the the answer was like little ants but you were like looking for like a a bigfoot or something like that oh no it's a the the puzzle is something like they want they're they're asking for an army of soldiers or an an army of small soldiers or something and you're looking around and you're in this you're in this forest i mean this this is a giveaway but it's a puzzle very early in the game this is not a spoiler uh there's a lot of challenges like that where they'll ask you for something kind of vague or with with hints or whatever and you have to sort of just just puzzle it out i think there was really only one in the whole game that I thought was vague enough that I sort of struggled a little bit, but it, yeah, I was going to ask about that. It, it didn't really trip me up for very long. I was able to, to That's cool. figure it out. So there's like the word component and the visual component. And then you're just like in a little arena and you're like, so I'll just go around and explore. Yeah. They're usually, a few, so there's six total maps. There's, there's the first one, which is just your, your hometown, which is just your house. And then outside. And then there's the last area, which is where Toem is. Uh, and then there's four in between and those four are multiple screens long. So you'll see there's like a forest and within the forest you have, there's a big hotel in the forest that you can go in and out of. There's a really dense area of the forest. There's an area where there's a moose doing a DJ set. There's an area where there's a house full of ghosts and you can go from mm-hmm. one to the other and you can rotate them. And there's, there's a lot of benefit <laughs> to rotating uh, the dioramas around too. Cause you'll like be able to walk behind stuff or there's plenty of hidden things too that you can find. And sometimes it requires either using your zoom lens in a very clever way or, and, and the sound helps a lot too here because you'll hear things or you'll, you'll notice, Oh, that's a little bit off. What is that? And as you zoom in, you notice there's an outline around something you're like, okay, what is that? And you zoom in further and then you find what it is. So yeah. Curiosity rewarded again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds um, very, sorry, go ahead, Sam. I just wanted to mention one other reason to go watch the video review is that like, it's hard to explain what the style is, but it's like, it is a, really cool like stylized cartoon like it looks amazing and it's black and white in this gorgeous way where it's like it just it looks like um it looks like you're watching an old film reel cartoon like it really really is 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 uh, you know focused on artistic you know 
impressive disc. It's it's great. Yeah, Check it out. it's just it's so polished. I think, and that that is one of the reasons why I loved it so much. Is I think there's I think there's something extremely impressive, especially when you're a small studio and you have presumably less resources than you know, big budget things, and you you decide this is how much we are going to do, and you make a thing that is just very complete. It is polished. It is good. It is done. It does not have. There's no sense that, oh, they didn't really quite finish this or, oh, I wish they could have done more here. It is just, it is pretty. It is well-made. It is this nice little intricate couple of boxes. And then you feel full and satisfied. It's really good. Goose Game reminds me of that. Like, it's just mm. like, okay, this is like the fully formed mm. game that I expected. It's artsy. It's cool. There's puzzles to solve. And I just loved it. Yes. It's, you talking about just, untitled Goose Game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a bit of a similar, you know, almost calm pace, even though obviously Untitled Goose Game is a lot less calm than this one. <laughs> Massively looks, uh, calm. A lot less sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Massively well, from villainous. what I understand, um, go check out Reb's review. From what I understand, the game comes out today as of this recording, uh, which is Thursday, September 16th. So it should 17th, be ready so for anybody. Tomorrow. A 17th. So tomorrow. Okay, so then perfect. By the time that this goes up, uh, by the time you, you're listening or watching to this episode. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Other Nintendo Switch news, semi-Nintendo Switch news related, great segue, uh, the Nintendo Switch had a firmware update uh, now including uh, Bluetooth compatibility for, for audio support, which has been four years, a lot of people have been waiting four years for that. Um, a couple details before we discuss. 
The switch can only be connected to one Bluetooth device at a time, which is not completely abnormal. It can save up to 10, um, so you don't have to keep repairing everything. And you can only have two wireless controllers paired at the same time, which feels fair enough, because I imagine if you're playing a multiplayer game with more controllers, you probably don't want your audio separated from everybody else. Uh, And then another tiny detail from the news is that you you also get the ability to update software on the Switch dock, but only for the OLED model, the one that includes a LAN support. So first off, RIP to anyone uh, who's recently bought an adapter as a workaround. Sorry to you guys, uh, but Mm -hmm. what do you guys think? Why why do you think we're, um, what do you think about getting this feature essentially four years after the, the Switch's release? I think it's hilarious. I think the fact that it was only a software update and not like a new model revision is is genuinely funny because this was one of those things where people were were genuinely surprised that it didn't have at launch. Uh, and there's an entire like cottage industry of I think 8-Bit Doe and a bunch of other third party accessory makers have little adapters that will let you do this thing that clearly people want to do. And then Nintendo just one day, four years later, turned on a little switch and was like hey turned on a little switch <laughs> pun intended uh, and, <laughs> uh, and then now they have this feature that everybody wanted i think i think congrats to everybody who's waited patiently uh and good for them but i also think it's just fun, really fun. uh yeah. it definitely makes me wonder what other features are hidden inside the switch <laughs> that, we could, that we could just turn <laughs> on at any given time. Yeah, you know, there, there's been some speculation. <clears throat> Obviously, everything is speculation. I think everybody generally hits the like. There was a, there must have been a tech reason for that. Um, one of our commenters uh, on the site um, said, uh, and I'm quoting from from this person. I think a lot of the things that Nintendo has cut back feature wise comes from making sure that the OS doesn't a take up too much space and b take up too much RAM. They have a very small RAM pool to use for OS features. The more features, the more RAM. It definitely wasn't impossible before, but I think they were thinking of other features first. This is why we receive features like game recording later on as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm not technically proficient enough to, to know, or and certainly not an, a Nintendo insider enough um, to know how realistic that um, speculation is, um, but that definitely seems to be the general consensus. Like, maybe they were holding out hope for, for a different feature and didn't want to bring the attention to that. I mean, we all know Nintendo does things on, on Nintendo time, essentially. 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 5 p.m. four years later. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's uh, just one one thing. Uh, it's funny that you know people are are you know I guess happy about this and, and miss this as a feature, but like Bluetooth is like the worst thing ever, and Bluetooth audio is just like <laughs> I hate it so much that like the only thing that was more annoying than that was like being on a this is what happened to me was being on a plane with only my Bluetooth headphones and a switch and being like wait it doesn't do that like i like i just didn't know i just assume everything does and then i was like you know right before the plane was taking off i was like on the internet being like oh well like i like trying to figure this out it was like you know does not use bluetooth for audio and i was like what the heck i couldn't believe it so yeah total disbelief but yeah not a great solution either um bluetooth has issues it has lag issues which will happen with with you know potentially happen with switch and then it also has of course the uh perilously annoying uh connectivity stuff where you're just like always managing on your phone what's on and what's off and what's connected to. So I hate that. But Sam one of our oh. um 
Sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, as a as a cat owner, as we're all cat owners, we the one value of Bluetooth audio devices is when your cat is about to break something and you got to go get them really quickly. Like you can just leave and not drag your mm. entire PC and now switch with you. Cat proof. Uh, yeah, or you're not sitting there with your headphones plugged into your switch as I was the other night, and the cat lays on your lap, and then when you try to mm-hmm. move your head two centimeters, it unplugs them because the cat mm-hmm. has weighed down all of your cable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or when they chew on the wiring oh. for your headset, that that's a big one, especially with these with these iPhone cables. My cat loves that one. Counterpoint: uh, I've well, lost my my AirPods multiple times because the cat has just ran off with one into it. He's just like <laughs> really? the greatest toy. And like if it's if there's wow. any opportunity, he'll grab one and I'll just be like, I don't know where you're playing with this, buddy, but like we got to figure this out now. <laughs> and usually it's like under the oven or under a couch because that's the places where you can bat stuff and it just ends up. Do you, do you store place. your do you store your AirPods in bologna? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, I can't even imagine. As that. I take them and I throw them in a little bag of treats and then I shake them up. So they're nice <laughs> right. and dusty. Right. Yeah, and then I you're bet, like, why does he run off with this thing? <laughs> I bet these are amazing to put in your ears after they've been wrapped in bologna, shaken up in a bag of treats, and dumped under your oven. Don't, don't and forget in a cat cat's mouth. mouth. In a cat yeah. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Nice cat sticky saliva. saliva exactly. too. They make it yeah. sound better. It's a secret feature Apple worked on. <laughs> yeah, so yeah exactly. See, they had all of this stuff in mind the entire time. They were just timing it well. Um, well, one of our other commenters mentioned, um, and, and a quote from them, I guess this is a console targeted at kids and adults playing on their work commute or on a commercial flight just didn't figure into their thinking, which is also a fair enough point. I mean, I don't think that, you know, they would have had such a narrow viewpoint of the accessibility of the switch it's a bit of its selling point overall mm-hmm. but you know there's there's certainly was in a lot of the the advertisements there wasn't a lot of um private moments of, of game time it's just a lot of like sharing in those moments and yeah. therefore sharing in audio i suppose as an adult gamer i bring my ps5 on the plane with me that's just yeah. what an adult does yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly you don't need a bluetooth headset at a rooftop wine party exactly I, yes I... when you're playing party games that's exactly what it is well, yeah, I think, um, you know, everyone likes to make the joke about how this is the, the most Nintendo move. But, you know, honestly, that that sort of comment really indicates that it really has become like a very accepted thing about Nintendo, despite the criticisms. You know, I think the, the online commentary and the sales say very different things, but it's it's certainly become an accepted fact um, about Nintendo. Um, well, in other other Nintendo news, just to, to briefly mention um, before we move on to more topics, uh, the Nintendo Switch also got a price cut only in the UK and Europe uh, regions, not for the US. Um, but that was definitely a topic of conversation that came up alongside this firmware update. Um, and in other hardware news, the PS5 got a trailer announcement for their latest um, system update. Uh, in addition to some user experience updates, the, the major bit of the news there is that you can now officially expand your internal storage, provided, of course, you know how to pop open a few screws delicately so please go check out um that new story on ign.com uh that has a few tips and reminders on compatibility there too but that's been the the other big hardware uh update of the of the week complete with the trailer that Marianne is so beautifully pulled up for us on video if you're watching the video version of game scoop the trailer is cool i didn't yeah. see this i love the, the yeah. clear cutaway sides mm-hmm. of that to show you how to do it that's great can we get you want, like PS5? a translucent PS5? Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, really badly. <laughs> greatest desire. Still waiting yeah. for custom faceplates. I know it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll switch into. I'll, I'll put Nintendo and and Sony together and say I want an atomic purple mm-hmm. translucent yeah. PS5. Yes. Completely weird combination of of uh, colors and hardware. <laughs> Bring back translucent consoles. 
Yes, yep. yes, mm -hmm. agreed. We all love to see the innards. I think I've said this on GameScoop before, but like I'm like trying to find a translucent television right now because they made like these <laughs> ones. And they're they're made they're made, they're made they're made for prisons. See, so, so, oh. so people can't. I didn't realize this because I was looking at translucent like a CRT television, right? Like mm -hmm. they're really cool. Mm -hmm. and I want it for the for you know our game area desk at work. And like, yeah, I started looking them up, and I started noticing people in every listing put prison TV, prison TV, and I was like, oh. Oh, it's a yeah. you, like it's a giant box. So basically, it's like if you're going in and out of rooms or switching rooms or whatever, you don't want to be smuggled and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah it's like a same concept behind using um, transparent trash bags, uh, which is a big thing in in New York to make sure you know what's in there. Yikes! And, yeah. Yes. Yep. 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 Um, well, on that note, on that beautiful note, uh, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. I did it. I did thank it for you, once. Sam. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you, you did right by the listeners. Uh, uh, this question comes from Kevin um, from Reno, Nevada. He says, hello, Omega Cops, longtime listener, second time writing in. I've been gaming for roughly 40 years and have seen many consoles come and go. Some amazing and groundbreaking and others dead on arrival. 32X, Jaguar, Virtual Boy, Engage, and Ouya, to name a few duds. My question to you is, would the game industry be better off if it made an all-in-one console? All the other parts of the entertainment industry have adopted universal formats, so why do we still have multiple consoles and infighting amongst the fans? If we as gamers only had to buy one next-gen console, we would have... Uh, sorry, we would we would have more money for games. If developers had only one console to create for, the development time would be decreased, eliminating some crunch. Something to consider. What do you guys think? Is that one console for all? Is that true about other? Pl I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about like phones, for example, and laptops. Like we have tons of phones and tons of laptops with competing OS and competing infrastructures. So there's, you know, similar similar to game consoles. You know, that hmm. sort of like rivalry between like Mac and PC, iPhone and Android. Like that stuff also exists elsewhere. Is is my thinking. But, Even on the streaming front, too, like, you know, you subscribe to Netflix or you subscribe to Hulu, maybe mm -hmm. you subscribe to all of them. But there's differentiations there, too. That's a really good comparison, actually, because the, the media has gotten really good on those platforms since there was multiple ones competing. Really good. The best. Mm -hmm. It's the best mm -hmm. era of TV ever. And I think we're in the best era of games ever, too. I mean, it's not my favorite era, but it's the best for sure. Like games are just amazing now. Um, I, here's something. Here's a little thought experiment you can do. There was a time in which there was just one console. It's called the Magnavox mm -hmm. Odyssey, and it was really crappy. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then that went away. And then basically, basically, there was just the Atari Twenty Six Hundred for a long time. Like seriously, like there just wasn't a lot of competition until the Intellivision, the ColecoVision. That was like a good three-year gap or so. So like seventy-eight to eighty, you got a few arcade games coming home. You got your Space Invaders and you know, breakout and you got, you know, Pong variations and stuff like that in your Atari and it wasn't great. But then Atari had a, uh, you know, a, a, a split. Atari was basically only making games for Atari. There's a few other companies. Then Activision split off from Atari. And then there was ClickVision and Television that really started trying to grab all these arcade games that, that Atari as exclusives. That was a big exclusive at the time. Oh, we got Mr. Do. We got Ladybug as an exclusive. We got Donkey Kong as an exclusive on ColecoVision, for example. Um, and so that that competition, you know, is like, I'm not, you know, the world's biggest capitalist, but man, like that that's where <laughs> games started getting really cool and where games started improving. And, and you know, I think having multiple consoles has a lot to say for uh, making sure that we have a lot of creative people competing for your time and your money. You should teach a course. I would 
That was really yeah. insightful. That's very I smart. loved hearing that. Oh, I'm embarrassed now, Matt. No. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, like the the hypothetical, right? Would it just be easier to have one console that plays everything? Like, yeah, I'd love that, right? I'd love to just not have to, uh, you know, worry about sourcing a, a PS5 if I wanted to play uh, God of War, you know, but. Uh, unfortunately, as with as we discussed, right, like it's not just games, it's in it's in entertainment, it's in other areas of technology, but people want to want to hog some of the revenue if they can. And by doing that and in order to do that, you got to make your own thing that you know, is a bummer in some ways, but also maybe not in the ways that like Sam pointed out. So who knows? Um, it's a mystery. Yeah, I think I think having different consoles very often doesn't really matter too much in the kinds of games that we get, right? Because so many games are cross-platform now uh, that you can sure. play them anywhere or most anywhere. And the the technology in many games is such that they can basically be played on whatever console. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the controller still works the same. The Everything else still works the same. But I, there are enough exceptions, especially with the Switch right now. I mean, the Switch is probably my favorite console ever and the just the sheer weirdness of the joy cons and the portability is is so interesting to me and if we just tried to say okay well now mario has to be on this console that plays everything we'd lose that uniqueness and i I mean i think that goes for other kinds of things too i mean when you think about mobile gaming yeah sure there's games that just end up on mobile and pc and everything else but there's also games that are specifically designed for mobile and only make sense on mobile and i i don't want them to lose that sheen or or what happens to xbox game pass in this scenario you know do we all just agree that on this all-in-one console it also has xbox gets to have their subscription service i mean i don't know there's there's like a lot of questions but i think I think at the end of it all, there is enough uniqueness and enough interesting separate things going on with the different kinds of technology to make it worth it. Now, if we do come out and we start having three consoles that all just look the same, play the same, and are the same, then mm-hmm. I don't... I, I, you know what? I, I kind of wish there were more. Maybe like one more. <laughs> one with a little one crank? More? Maybe like oh, one more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, I, I was going to say... That's exactly the point I was going to bring up, Matt, is, um, you know, when the Steam Deck comes out, I do a little bit feel like that's going to be a a sort of all-in-one console. It it Mm. takes a lot of what's really um, or was unique uh, and and really accessible about the Switch um, and puts it in a format that you you can play a lot of other games, a lot of these cross-platform games, like everything, um, most everything has has a PC edition, and if not, maybe a year, two years down the line, eventually... um, it comes back around for the PC community. And who knows, maybe Steam Deck will also popularize that more for like a similar day and date release for all of these platforms moving forward. So I like the Steam Deck uh, conceptually, and I'm really interested um, to see it. Apparently later this year, uh, they said that they're working on um, finalizing those shipments, even though everybody's uh, pre-order links say a different month or a different quarter or a different year. It's all been a little bit confusing, but looks like we'll be getting some of those um, end of this year, beginning of next year. And it might give us a bit of a look at what that feels feels like because for me it's been mostly okay well if i'm traveling i can't play a ps5 game because that's going to be rooted unless like matt i take my ps5 with me on an airplane (laughs) you know that's that's clearly the genius there um so it's it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see like if that accessibility makes a bit of a difference to some of that gameplay experience but i agree sam too with you that competition um is what you know breeds innovation so there's a lot to do with that and i think it's interesting to see how like 
Sony having such an accomplishment with something so small, like screen sharing, um, or rather, um, screenshotting with a simple button directly on your controller. Um, and how like Microsoft has clearly adapted that because that was innovative. Um, even if it's on a small scale and they borrowed that idea and I hope there's more of that, that, that comes about, but certainly the, you know, the, the complications of the commitments to one or the other, I think is, is something that's a little bit more unique as to what Kevin was talking about. I don't think there's a lot of like Netflix, like diehard Netflix fans that are angry with Hulu fans, for instance. Yeah, I think that's the differentiation yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. But I think everybody's mad about having too many subscriptions. And, in, and similarly, people are mad about having to pay for too many consoles. Like, I, I totally get yes. that. Yeah, so yeah. I can relate to that. And then, or them uh, not being available, like the PS5. Yeah, you're just not having the new consoles because yeah. you can't get them. There's a there. I've seen, you know, every episode of Black Mirror. And the theme of, I think, 90% of them is that uh, eventually uh, we'll just have brain implants that we can't get rid of. That that's mm-hmm. where we're going to be playing our video games, right? And you there can't you go. Them. Yeah, so. your brain is your console. All right. There There's the single console future. <laughs> all your imagination. All. We already have it, and it's magical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. I'll throw in there, though, to Tina's point about accessibility, maybe in a different way. I, I, if, if there was, if there was this hypothetical all-in-one console, it couldn't be anything like the Switch. It would have to be, you know, a gate, a very traditional game box. It would also to appease everybody and to let people keep making the things they wanted. It would have to be like PS5 or Xbox Series X level powerful, right? Like it'd have to be expensive and strong and be able to just spit out the cutting edge of whatever. And I, a lot of people would be very happy with that. I personally would be very unhappy with that because I am the one who bought the Series S because it was small and cute mm-hmm. and less expensive. And I, I don't need super powerful graphics. I just want to play some Game Pass games. And like, I I feel like it would inherently cut out people who didn't want the, the shiniest possible game box, whether that was a cost reason or a technology reason or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that would be a dang shame. Yeah, 100%, that's a great point. I really there's want no, Series S, by the way. <laughs> there's, there's a. Uh, there, oh, I said I really want a Series S. It's really small. It's I really cute. want cute. I put little yeah. googly eyes on it above yeah. the big. So it looks like it's going <laughs> all the time. It's really cute. <laughs> there's like a step between, you know, consoles and brain implants. And that's like, we, we like everything's going to be the size of a, like, a phone or smaller. Like, there, there's no reason we're going to have giant boxes doing our processing power, especially if we have cloud processing mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Like, like the the, con, the console idea is going away. Like it just is, mm. and, and it's going to go away. Like we're going to have to figure out what our inputs are. So it's like if Nintendo just makes controllers in the future, that's neat. If we are all uh, using virtual controllers operated by our brains, that's neat too. But like that's you know, I just don't I just don't see it. Uh, uh, hardware, you know, staying in these boxes for very much longer. I think we've got a bit of a ways to go before we get there technologically and then a bit of a ways to go before you get cooperation from companies to put all of their games on a singular console that they probably don't own. It's got, it's got to be a really rich company or person that decides to buy the licenses to all of these things a hundred years down the line when the technology and the brain chips and the cooperation and the money available to create one singular console ecosystem that does not you know preclude people who can't afford it or don't want... A monstrous thing in their small apartment or what have you um, as the limitation there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe a couple hundred years down the line. <laughs> um, this, this next question is from Johnny uh, from the UK. 
Uh, he says, I was excited about the news earlier this year about Lucasfilm Games working with various developers to allow them to use their specialist expertise in genres slash game styles, and I'm looking forward to the outcome of this move. It got me thinking about some of the Disney animation slash Pixar properties and how similar treatment could work well. For example, an open-world Mulan game in the Ghosts of Tsushima style would be awesome, or a Moana game sailing between Pacific Islands to support her people in a procedural community-building type of game. Uh, not sure who the right developer would be, for this, but my wife liked a game called Summer and Mara, which made me think of this. Any ideas from Goose Camp about which game styles slash developers could be matched up with Disney properties to make great games? Wow. And we'd, we'd like the cat opinion, too. <laughs> <laughs> what have you guys got? Mm. Well, I had brought up, we were kind of chatting about this before the show, and like, I... I love Disney games from the 8-bit and 16-bit era, and like they were from major devs at the time. Uh, Capcom had the license to one of my, you know, a lot of my favorite games. I really like DuckTales, uh, which we're showing right now. That was, you know, that's just as one of my favorite games ever. It holds up really well. It's, you know, it, it's a, it's has a Metroid level of complexity and as a platformer. And what it did at the time was like really capture animation and really capture like the spirit of DuckTales exploration and stuff like that. So that was from Capcom, right? So when I think of these games, I think like, well, like these worlds and, and every, everything deserves a giant open world exploration game. And I cannot believe that there's not Disney games that are doing this like all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just, crazy to me that i think kingdom hearts is probably the best example of like a big triple a disney game that we've all liked you know, well, you know that's gotten good scores and stuff recently but it's like that's like that's like you know a, a kind of an action rpg but there's no like big just fun explore this disney world games right now and i think that's cr that's completely crazy um i was gonna yeah. mention like the animation is another thing too which we're really good at looking at toem looking at cuphead like let's make some disney games that look like crazy old cartoons like that would be really cool too and i would take a platformer that looked like an old cartoon in that cuphead style from disney with those right. those assets anytime uh, that sounds good i would love that i you know uh it's kind of weird to me right because we're in this like ip saturated world right now in entertainment right where like mm. ip is like the most valuable thing and disney kind of did make that game with disney infinity right that was like what if you got every disney and pixar and marvel property in one game yes. and you can just play around with and i think that like the toy element aside like i think it might have just been like five years too early right like if disney infinity came out now you know and like sans the maybe collectible stuff like i think it would have been a way bigger hit than it was when hmm. uh, because people could just be like, yeah, of course I want to play with like Woody and Captain America in the same game. Like that sounds rad. <laughs> and like on paper, I think it does. You know, so but oh well, sometimes it's all about timing. Yeah. So do you have a matchup in mind? I have a few ideas. <laughs> so my Let's first my first idea is uh um, but a like mm -hmm. this is gonna sound weird when it comes out. Like <laughs> Anyone remember the Chow Garden from Sonic Adventure? <laughs> yes. You, you like raise the Chows the and take care game? of them. Yeah, and I played the GameCube one, but you know, you raise the Chows and take care of them. Mm. Okay, so what if that, but up, and you're already like like on the waterfall, and Kevin's got the babies, and you have to take care of Kevin's children. The little I don't birds. know enough about up, but I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Wait, who's I have, I have Kevin the dog. No, Doug no. is the dog. Kevin's the bird that has, like... Doesn't Kevin have a kid at the bird. end? Right. Isn't that a Sorry, thing that happens in the movie? Am I misremembering Up, yeah, like, same. horribly? 
No, I think we're misremembering. Yeah, remembering sorry. That. Okay, yeah, well, somebody's going to be really mad at me later. Uh, I thought, yeah, okay, anyway, so uh, other better ideas. Uh, something like Flower, like the one that the Journey developers did with the Flower, but with, like, Fantasia stuff. Because Fantasia is, like, like, very, like, this very weird journey with all these, like, weird kind of characters and floating around. I would yeah. love, like, a very mm-hmm. musical, musically oriented kind of thing that takes you through all of these wonderful classical compositions, but with all the characters from the two Fantasia games. Or more, just make more Fantasia movies, honestly. That would be great. Um, Fantasia game. That's such mm-hmm. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, and then the last one, very obvious, Ratatouille cooking game. Uh, if the Overcooked team would like to contribute to this, oh, yeah. I would love for mm-hmm, them to do mm-hmm. so. Uh, that would be fantastic. Like that's it's funny that you say that because I had put down, um, I have a primary idea, but as my backup ideas, I also had Ratatouille mm-hmm. and like a cooking mama kind of, you know, simple um, addition take on it. Might lose some of the narrative in, in a cooking mama game, though. That's the cat. I mean, look, mm-hmm. if you watch the clip just now, that that was Overcooked right there in the kitchen. That's exactly what Overcooked mm-hmm. is. <laughs> this, this is yeah yeah there, there he goes um so so my primary example that like immediately came to mind because one of my favorite um pixar movies is wally and it's funny because we're talking about a lot of um disney properties and many of them have gotten games or have gotten like versions of games uh, and turns out there was a wally game um that our producer marion uh, signaled to me and i had no idea i think it's from like 2007 um but i was thinking for for a mashup with a developer i would love to see a play dead take on Wally, oh. and there's a couple reasons. The most obvious is, of course, they you know specialize in a lot of silent games, but that still tell a very beautiful narrative, and that's the core of what Wally is. They don't really have to, like you know, Wally and um, Eva or Eve. He says Eva uh, don't have to really communicate to be communicating, and that's exactly what the Play Dead experiences with Limbo um, and more recently Inside have have been like. And they also have a really like strong ability to set these. Like, if you're looking at the video right now, these, like, really eerie kind of settings. And I think there's something really both beautiful and eerie about both Wally um, and uh, Limbo and, and Play, um, Play Dead's Inside, too. So I think they'd be a perfect mashup uh, mm-hmm. for the two of those. And then my runner-up from there is a bit of an obvious one. Um, it would be The Incredibles and Insomniac because Insomniac have done such a great job with Spider-Man and I feel like if you were to play as Elastigirl, if you could imagine that, you're basically just swinging around the city anyway, so there you go. You can just repeat the same gameplay mechanic and not even have to worry about developing new mechanics there. (laughs) And they got the goofiness down too. For sure. I was going to make the same point about Insomniac, not not with this uh, particular game, but how well the Marvel license is working out as like kind of a, you know, a matching it with Sony first party studio. Like that's something where like if Nintendo got a, uh, a Disney license, that would be amazing. You know, like they could do something really cool in Nintendo with it. They always wanted to, uh, you know, uh, in some ways, like uh, this is not Disney, but Donkey Kong was supposed to be a Popeye game. Like Shigeru Miyamoto from the start was like, I'm really, really into the idea of making a cartoon on screen. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> it was a yeah, Donkey Kong was yeah, you can just replace every member of, of Donkey Kong with Brutus as Donkey Kong and you know Olive Oil and then uh, Popeye. That that's just it's just a Popeye game. They, they didn't get the license, and then like two years later, they got the license and put out a Popeye game in the arcade, which <laughs> is an exact like really cool Donkey Kong game. Am I being so pranked? that's all all the real deal so i know like miyamoto would like you know like from the start was like really into cartoons and really into stuff like that and i I think um what was the example of that that's like the uh 
I think War Inspectors Mickey Mouse game. Epic Mickey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Epic Mickey. Mickey. So those were oh, yes. At, yeah, mm-hmm. at the time those were uh, Wii exclusive. The first one was, yeah. mm-hmm. and so you know, like that stuff has a precedent. And um, I don't think Mickey's my go-to world necessarily, but like you know, and and there's there's really good examples of like awesome games I would love to see just get a giant cool Nintendo open world or Sony open world like we've already mentioned. I mean, just weird weird stuff like you know Rescue Rangers or you know like things like that just to have like cool like that's coming back right now too. So that might be a good match. But yeah, mm. I, I love the idea of those universes, big first parties. Well, developers, there you have it. A bunch of free ideas that I'm sure will be really easy to put together between all these studios and licenses. (laughs) Well, thank you for the questions, listeners. Um, And on that note, it is time for 20 questions. Um, This week's, yeah, this week's suggestion comes from Scott uh, from Rochester, New York. And let the questioning begin. All right. Who's going to kick it off? Sam, what have you got? Okay, so uh, let's do years first, I guess. I want to know if, it, if 90, 90s kids will remember. Uh, is it uh, from before 2000? Nope. All right. So sometime this century. Uh... And narrows it down. <laughs> is it on the Xbox 360? Yes. What? Wow. Nicely done. All right. Yeah, you jumped ahead a little. (laughs) That was great. You're welcome. (laughs) I want some points. I got it. Uh, Is this a game where you would, where you have stats of some kind? Um, no. Was this uh, an exclusive to the Xbox 360 when it came out? We can keep going in order, or we can hop uh, in. Was it happen. made by a Japanese game developer? Yes. Okay. okay. Matt, did you cheat? Oh, no. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. It's good S. S's. Um, oh was this an indie? No, I don't want to ask that about Japan. There's, there's not as many indie <laughs> games. Um, was this published by somebody who still has E3 press conferences? No. Oh man! Xbox 360, but it wasn't. Sorry, you reiterating. You you answered Sam's question. It was not an exclusive. Yeah, not an exclusive. So on 360, non exclusive, and it wouldn't be from you know Ubisoft or right. Okay, uh, big guns. It could still be from Activision because they don't have one. That's true. Well, Matt Uh, is Japanese developer. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good point. Is there any kind Who of Who knows multi- what Activision's publishing? Is there any kind of <laughs> multiplayer component? No multiplayer. Okay. Um So s- single player and we had another um, It sounds it sounds a bit like I mean, is it is this an RPG? Um you sure you want to ask that? Oh, no, because that's what I was thinking. The stats question eliminated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good. Okay, we're in good, Saved we're in good spot here. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for yeah that. no problem. <laughs> Is it a horror game? 
No. Mm. Uh, was this game uh, uh, scored well received? Well, yes. So people like mm. this. It was on 360 from Japan. Would you consider the look of this game to have an anime aesthetic? No. Would you consider this to be... Should we ask... I, I want to consult the group on this. Should we ask about realistic graphics? Could it be something else? Like, yeah. Or are we just going to assume that now? That'd be difficult. I mean, I don't know. It, I mean, it could be like polygonal and like not anime, right? Yeah. Like cartoonish. But I don't know if that would help us. Mm-hmm. I bet it's like a... I want to know more about what you do in this game. You want to find out what, we, what you do? What like you killing? do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe like, can you... Do you can, can you hurt... Maybe can you hurt other? <laughs> you, you asking that question? I'm, I'm t- I'm, no, I'm. I'm cons- or do we want to ask? Can you commit hurt? acts of violence? Can you commit acts of violence in this game? That's a good one. Yes. Okay. I think I have an idea, but I want to. I want to get a few more questions in. Actually, I think I'm. Um. I mean, you could always share with the group. Is that? I mean, is that how the competition? Wait, did a question come through? What'd you ask, Matt? No, I'm I'm just saying I want to get a few more questions in, but I think I have mm-hmm. an idea. But I'd be I'd be okay. willing to. Uh, yeah, let us know. Yeah, I, it could be. I don't know. I'm thinking actually, Ninja Gaiden was my second choice. I think it's like Bayonetta uh, or something. But oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What happened with Bayonetta's release? Was it on? It was on multi yeah, on 360 Star? and PS3. Uh, and then it went exclusive to Switch after that. Yeah, three went exclusive. And no, it's two went exclusive three. to the Wii U, two. and then three went exclusive to the <laughs> Switch. Does Bayonetta one... not have stats? No, I mean there's like an okay. upgrade path, but not like, it's like. Gee. Is it is there's it worth ask, is it worth asking about like skill trees or? If I guess, am I out of questions? I don't remember the rules. No, we, you guys are oh, at yeah. eleven, so you have until combined tank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have until nineteen, and then a guess for the twenty. Mm, okay. Um. Is. Uh, is the developer still making games? Um, yes. That that's Team Ninja. Right? Team Ninja made Ninja Gaiden. And Platinum and makes Bayonetta. Platinum. Yeah. Is, are you either of those still around? Yeah, they both are. Right? Yeah, Platinum. Platinum makes like ten games a year, and then Team Ninja. Actually, I haven't heard of Team Ninja in a while. But I I think they still make games. Yeah, or at least yeah. I don't know. I guess they're part of. Koei Tecmo and Koei Tecmo still makes games. I don't know. Yeah. We could ask some. Here are some common questions we ask. Can you choose your character? That's one. Oh, yeah. uh, do you shoot guns? Is one. Do you have swords? Is this sci fi? Is this fantasy? Is this realistic? Are there monsters? Okay. I mean, that'd be a neat question. Are there swords? Is there a sword in this game? Uh. Are you, you're asking that question. Yeah, I would have I I I I phrased that maybe like, oh. is. Is the sword like a sword in this game? Yeah. I'm sure there's a sword somewhere. (laughs) That ain't Jinji good. I must confirm. Ninja Gaiden 100% has a sword, so. (laughs) We also have questions like Is this part of a series? That helps, like, if this is the first game in a series. Yeah, that, that that would actually probably be a good one to confirm that we're on the right track. Is are there other other games in this, or is it 
There is no sword. Mm-hmm. No sword. Confirmed no sword. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask that. Uh, is this a game that has other games in the same series as it? Nope. Oh. Whoa. Okay. Well, we could have walked okay. back a few of our questions if we had <laughs> that earlier. That's great. Really? That's great, a though. A one-off Japanese and game that came what? out on the 360. The and that people liked. And that people liked. And, and this never, person is still making games. But never yeah. got a sequel. This is a weird one. Yeah, so it's not Lost Planet. It could be enslaved Odyssey to the West type stuff. That was that, made in the UK. Was, but Yeah. yeah. That, oh, yeah, that was a UK. Yeah. I always think of that as Japanese. <laughs> um, so mm. then you got your... I think of just so much Sony stuff that it seems weird for it to come to Xbox and for it to not be an RPG. Oh, wait. Mm, okay. Hmm. Oh, all right. I. Mm. There's also shooters. Yeah. Is? Like, yeah, okay. Do you, do you, as the player, shoot a gun in this game? Yes. Is and it this... could be like top down. That's 15, by the way. Can I ask a genre question? Will that? Of course. I did ask about horror. It's not a horror game. So. Okay, it's not a horror game. Is it science fiction? Yes. Mm. Oh, um, I know. okay. Yeah. I think it's I not know part what of it is. What's, what's that game um, that is from, I think, Platinum or, or Clover yeah. or one of those? Vanquish, right? Vanquish. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I think this is wait. Vanquish. Wait, hold on. So I was looking at. Oh wait, never mind. This has this has online multiplayer, so you you all are probably right. Multiplayer. What about Vanquish? Does that have multiplayer? No, I don't think Vanquish has multiplayer. Made by Platinum. It's a shooter, sci-fi shooter. There was no Vanquish two. Platinum still making games. It was on the 360 and the PS3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel pretty confident it's, about that one. It could be Vanquish or a Vanquish like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough. Like that's the only other shooter that I know from Japan. I don't Is know if a, Japan makes a lot of shooters. I don't. Is it a third-person game? I'm asking Matt that. Okay. Vanquish is a third-person shooter game, but you, if you ask, I feel like that's a definite. Okay, uh, is this a third-person game? Yes. That's 17. So we also have a cheat. It's not a cheat. It's a legit question. And I haven't used our other more illegitimate questions yet, either. <laughs> that's true. I want to remind the judge. Um, <laughs> but um, we, we, we can't ask, did we mention the game yet? You asking? Yeah. Yeah, you did. All right. I think this game starts with a V and ends with a quish. <laughs> Is this game made by Platinum? Yes, and that's 19, so you better guess. All right, yeah. who wants to ask it? Matt, you got you figured out the name. Yeah. Is it Vanquish? It sure is. Good job, guys. Ooh, that was, that was a like one. that was a strong start. Stuttered in the middle, but you guys brought it home. Good yeah. job. That was great. Xbox 360, absolute worst possible console the- for a game to be on for me to try to guess it. Oh, really? <laughs> but as a shot in the dark for knowing it was on a console, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so um, Platinum Games, published by Sega, um, was released October 2010 for PS3 and Xbox 360. It was ported onto PCs in 2017 and was actually remastered on, uh, 20, in 2020 oh, last year for PS4 and Xbox One. And that kind of like slipped my radar um, because Me I too. played this game when it came out. 
uh, and kind of forgot that it existed. And so when um, when our, our listener Scott wrote in, I uh, just had fond memories of the, as you can see if you're watching the video version, just completely frenetic gameplay, yeah. just chaos. It's basically bullet hell, but in a third-person um, shooter uh, action kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Did you guys play this game? Yeah, it was great. I loved it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Zipping around the area because you had this like weird knee jetpack where you just slid on the ground yeah. but you could boost through. <laughs> I just saw that. That was yeah. so cool. Great. The slide, yeah. yeah, and it's an intense slide. You can. I saw. I was watching a walkthrough just to spruce up on my memory of the game. And look at it. Like if you're watching the yeah. video version, you can slide for cool. a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I saw someone backtrack, go get um, um, just a refill on on ammunition, and then slide all <laughs> the way back to uh, the the, per- the player's teammates just to continue progressing in on the missions so it's just a very funny um traversal but incredibly fun move too do you think this is the remake that we're looking at because it looks incredible um it does it must be it does look like because it is moran says it is yeah exactly yeah how cool is this remaster look it looks like super functional and fun yeah amazing the biggest complaint I, it, it should for the for the remaster. Um, I think the biggest complaint was that it was just a very short campaign, um, and some people actually wanted multiplayer out of it. But there are also these um, slow down moments. Uh, I think like when your health is low and when your suit power is low, and you can go into um, like a like a bullet time sort of a function. So people were saying it wouldn't really make sense for multiplayer. I do recall it being very short but sweet, but a lot of fun and some pretty um, insane uh, boss battles as well. Yeah, and, and depending on how you feel about like game stories, that it was really dumb. Like it was like dumb, yeah, but in yeah. a, kind of like a fun way. But I mean, if you're looking for like a smart like story and commentary, you're not going to find it here. This is just silly, silly military stuff. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> it's it's purely for the gameplay, not mm-hmm. for the story at all. Although uh, you, I remember some of the quips from the characters because they dial in. Um, if you're watching the video version now, you can see they dial in um, uh, in the corner and there's some commentary alongside there. So it carries yeah. you through well enough. That, that looks like Metal Gear, too. Like, I like the treatment on the, the characters mm-hmm. calling you. Um, the, uh, Matt, you just came up with a really good 20 questions question. Is this available in 4K? Because then you know, like oh. it was either remastered or like it was like really new. contemporary game. Right. Not a lot of games. That's very good. Well, the next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. Well, wow. that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Um, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Reb. Thank, thank you. you, Matt. And thank you to Marion working behind the scenes. Uh, don't forget that you can email Damon at gamescoop at IGN.com with topics and more suggestions for our next 20 questions selection. He's going to be back in the hosting seat next week. Um, it's oh, been goodness. a pleasure hosting all of you for the last three weeks. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Tina. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, um, this is IGN Game Scoop, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.